This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Vlad Arakchev. Welcome, Vlad. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, thanks a lot. I really appreciate being here. It's really exciting. Great. Uh, what would you like the audience to know about yourself? Hey, listen, it's uh, I had a long, interesting journey uh, about how I started in real estate. I was a graphic designer pretty much uh, most of my career. And then COVID hit. And then that that changed my mindset completely. I uh, I wanted to control. I got furloughed from my W two, and I didn't know when I was going back. So I, uh, with the help of my wife, uh, got I guess nudged into real estate. That just becoming a real estate agent here in New Jersey, and then slowly but surely I started doing some flipping and wholesaling, and then bought a single family and. Uh, shortly realized the power of passive income and uh, what real estate has to offer and uh, sold everything that I had here in New Jersey. And I started focusing on larger multifamily, not only they uh, uh, great hedge against inflation, they are real assets. And I think the safest investment out there, if you can think about it. So that's, that's my core focus right now, multifamily in Texas, Kansas, and uh, parts of the Carolinas. What size of multifamily? You know what? It depends. Uh, in Texas, we're focusing large, 100 units and more. Uh, it's easy on property management. It's just easier to kind of manage overall. Uh, in Carolinas, we actually kind of uh, went for smaller ones. We have 40 units in student housing. We also have built-to-rents. Uh, in Kansas City, we also have uh, 40 units, so they're not huge, but they really, you kind of hyper-focused and doing a lot more in those smaller properties. In the larger ones, there's more players involved, so you're not as active because there's obviously a larger team, so it just kind of varies. And with your current portfolio, are you uh, passive or active or a bit of both? You know, all, always active. I have, I've been involved in four uh, JV opportunity joint ventures where we pool our money together and everybody's extremely active. Um, I've taken them roles as uh, investor relations and uh, uh, asset management or co-asset management. And a uh, few syndications I've been involved in as a co-GP investor relations primarily and also i've actually asked to be on all asset management calls just for my own experience just to see how the project is running so so how how'd you get into the asset management i guess and investor relations why, why did that seem like a good fit for you you know what it, it i was just really curious because when i was doing flips here and uh, uh managing my own properties here in new jersey I, I got the idea of how it works. So I wanted to translate it into larger multifamily and I did. You know, it's it's the cool thing about uh, a larger multifamily is that you're not doing it all by yourself. It's a team sport. You're really bouncing ideas off each other and learn that way. So like for, I'll just give you an example. Like we were planning and still, still are, 
painting our 40 units in Kansas City. So there's five people on the JV team and we're all bouncing ideas back and forth. Oh, we should paint it lighter color. We should paint this and not touch that. So it's really of a team collaboration, team effort. So I really like working in a team. Uh, not only it teaches you a lot of skills that you learn from others, and at the same time, you make the decision and grow together. So I, I really like the team uh, aspect of multifamily. And how did you find your partners for the joint ventures and syndications? Yeah, great question. I, uh, you know, it, like I said, I am in New Jersey. I'm buying um, in Midwest and the Sun Belt. So how do I do that? So my number one priority was to get into mentorship. So I interviewed a lot of mentors um, and ultimately uh, picked Jake and Gino. They're a multifamily mentorship community. They, they're pretty large. I don't know how many people, I think 2000, maybe a little more. They're all over the United States. And not only they taught me multifamily because I didn't know, I started from single family. So I didn't even know multifamily. Um, in addition, I met partners through Jake and Gino. Because like, for example, as soon as I joined the community, I started learning and educating, but I wanted to underwrite and see how others do. So I reached out to a few people that were buying and actively uh, operating in Texas. And I said, hey, guys, can I join your group, your calls, and we're going to learn together. And they immediately accepted me because you're like, they, you're part of your own, right? It's part of a team. So they're like, yeah, sure, Vlad, absolutely. So that took about eight months for us to kind of, you know, understand what our roles are. And after eight months, I got my first deal. And uh, I right now, I would say a good measure, a year and a half uh, is a good time to kind of find out about your partners. Yeah. yeah. And then um, for your your deals, how are you finding these multifamily and uh, student housing properties? Yeah, that, that varies too. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. In Kansas City, I found it myself. So what I've done is um, uh, being a real estate agent, I cold call, right? For single family houses, you call for sale by owners or expired, whatever it is. So I did the same thing. I pulled data from CoStar. Uh, they have phone numbers, emails, and everything. And I started reaching out uh, to sellers, right? Sellers in Kansas City. And I said, hey, listen, my name is Vlad. We're owners and operators here. And uh, we would like to uh, uh, see if you want to sell your property. And that's exactly how I found the 40 units. So we're doing that route. And also, of course, broker relationships. Anything larger than 100 doors most likely will be through brokers, so, yeah, we have a person that's constantly calling brokers, uh, providing feedback. We're underwriting, underwriting a lot of deals. So brokers as well. And, of course, partnerships. And I'll give you an example on that one. Um, uh, last November, we were buying a pretty big uh, asset in uh, Texas. It's for over 400 units. And one team uh, was maybe overwhelmed. So they asked us to come in, raise equity, and back them up on larger uh, projects or larger CapEx items, but they're doing it day to day and we backing them up on uh, weekly calls. So it's partnerships, brokers, direct to seller. Thanks. And um, how do you determine on a particular property whether to do a joint venture with it or to syndicate it? 
Yeah, it all it all depends on the purchase price. Uh, Kansas City deal was two million dollar purchase, so five of us got together, and it was a JV. Uh, the previous deal that we've done in Dallas, it's eighteen million dollars. So that would be that would that's a lot of cash. So we had to syndicate it. So we had twelve uh, co GPs or GPs. We pooled approximately ten percent of the purchase price together. All uh, all the GPs, and then we got uh, Freddie loan agency loan for sixty five percent. So we needed to raise give or take uh, eight million dollars, and that's what we've done. Uh, I I believe if I'm not mistaken, about forty limited partners came in on that deal, and uh, uh, it's cash flowing day one, and it's monthly distributions, and that's what I believe investors want nowadays. They want real asset in a really good area like Dallas in that particular case that is cash flowing day one. And the funny thing, I'll tell you the story. So one of my investors calls me back and he's like, hey, I just got $400 in my checking account. What do I do with it? I'm like, it's your money, whatever you want. It's yours. He's like, really? I can just like spend it on my bills. I don't have to like, I'm like, absolutely not. It's your money. And then at the end of the year, you will get a K-1 with depreciation. And he's like, oh boy, really? So it really blew his mind. He had never done it before. And he was really skeptical about getting into a syndication. And he was really surprised. He's like, oh my gosh, I never received so much money from stocks or anything from my stock investments. I'm like, well, there you go. That's a syndication for you. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, um, so how do you determine or how can a passive investor determine whether or not a particular sponsor is going to do a good job with a particular deal? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you got to look at the track record, right? And you have to make sure that not only not only everybody says they underwrite conservatively, which 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 doesn't which, everybody says that. We go a step further. Instead of actually not only underwriting conservatively, we're trying to kill the deal. So by we're literally poking holes everywhere. We take like historic data and trying to just underwrite it and just completely destroy the deal. And if it doesn't work, if we cannot destroy it, we in it. So we are doing our best to protect our investors' capital as much as possible. Another way, we're getting really low leverage. Like we're getting 65% loans. So we and we lock them for seven for seven years. Like the deal that we've done, we locked it for seven years, 5.5%. So we know the rate will remain the same. Nothing's gonna change. We have consistent cash flow throughout the years, no refi in between, because in our in our opinion, it's a bit too risky. That's Mac in the center of Dallas, beautiful area, great. So you look at the track record, you look at previous exits right so our previous exits with our partners they've done three exits so far over three thousand units um average returns over 25 percent so they exceeded uh investors uh, or performing expectations so when we look at the returns and look at the track record also the few uh and that's a huge plus also a few questions you can ask is did you ever had a capital call right? Did you ever have to stop distributions? Did you, you know, um, did any of your properties fail or went below 
the expected returns. So these are the things that you should be asking for. And ultimately, you know what you can do? You can send the deal to another investor or syndicator and just say, hey, listen, what do you think about this? Just do me a favor. Just look through the underwriting. What do you think? Is that a good deal? Would you invest in something like this? So that's another way. And uh, there's few guidelines. Like, for example, right now we're targeting 7% cash on cash. If it's like 12%, that's too good to be true. That's a red flag. If it's 4%, yeah, you could do better, right? Same thing with internal rate of return or IRR. After five years, we're targeting 18 to 20. So if somebody says you'll get 30, that's something's out there. So that's if you're getting, if, if, if it's like 12, you could do better. So these are a few guidelines that you should be looking out for. Yeah. Yeah, another thing you mentioned earlier that I like to see is if the syndication sponsors are putting their own money into the deal. Yeah. And you know, like you mentioned putting you you and the other co-GPs putting 10% of the uh you know down payment or the, the money into it. Like, yeah, that's you're fully committed there. So you want the deal In to the work game. out. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That that's a that's another good question. Yeah, that there's like a list of questions that you you can ask. And listen, there are no stupid questions. Any question that you can think of, you ask. Right, because every question is important. Because typically, we take fifty thousand um, dollars um, as a minimum in our investments, and so far, you know, we didn't have any of those things. We never stop distributions. We paying out monthly, and it's working out great. Very cool. And how can a passive investor determine whether or not you and your team are a good match for what they're looking for? Yeah, also through questions. Um, the thing is. If it depends where you invest from, some people invest from 401k funds, right? So when you invest from 401k, you see uh, on a safety and also it, it, you look at how safe the investment is, right? And also um, if you, if you an older person or just a younger person and you want higher returns now and maybe less down the road, or if you invest with, let's say, self-directed IRA, you can't touch it anyway. You can look at whatever the returns are done after five years instead of now. So like, I'll give you an example, 7% cash on cash, 2X equity multiple at the end, right? So you're looking approximately, you know, you're, you're going to double your money in five years. That That's the target. So uh, these are the few things that you should be looking out for. Um, I, I personally, I like safer areas. I like landlord friendly states. I look for big towns, big cities like Dallas, Houston. Um, I like Kansas city, for example, I like big Carolina places, even though we invested or stuff that is really growing. So you look for safety, especially now, right? When the markets, everything is growing. Yeah. You can risk a little bit. But now there's a lot of uncertainty. So we're trying to cover and mitigate all our risks as much as possible. Low leverage, uh, even, even less our returns. But then at the end, the returns will be higher. So it's kind of, you know, so look at those things. Yep. And what's a problem that you've encountered with one of your real estate investments and how is it handled? You know, one of the things that... Um, that's a good question. You know, we handle our issues immediately because we have a dedicated team or person that is 
focused on a particular thing. So I'll give you an example. Uh, if I'm great, I don't want to be good at something. I want to be great at something. So if I'm just okay at one thing, I'll have another person focusing on that thing. Like I'll give you an example, even investor relations or um, in like dealing with lenders, right? I don't deal typically with lenders. So we have a dedicated person that is dealing with lenders in order to get the best rate. Like on a on a deal uh, that we've done previously, a lot of people were getting 6%. We got 5.3%. Why? Because we have a dedicated team. So we make sure that the person that is really qualified is focused on one particular task. We're here to excel. We're here to not have so many deals or, you know, thousands of doors. We're here for quality. Like I always say, any deal is not our deal, right? We look at one market and we look at, let's say, 100 deals a month. Out of those 100, we pick one. That's the best, right? If we if you look at, let's say, 10 markets and you look at 100 per market, then they might be okay deals, but we're looking at for, we're looking for excellence. So that's that's our core focus. That's what we look for. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, are you ready for a speed round? Oh, okay, let's go. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? You know what? Which is that that that's a great question. Everybody wants this, which is true wealth, which is time. My goal is to have time to do anything I want to do at any time I want to do it. Like if I want to fly on a vacation tomorrow, I don't have to ask my boss. I don't have to ask anyone. You buy a plane ticket, I fly. So the greatest thing about passive investment is like Warren Buffett says, making money while you're sleeping. Your money is earning you money and you don't have to do anything, right? So when you open up at the, in the beginning of the month, when you open up your bank statement and you see it's like plus $500, plus $1,000 and you didn't do anything for it and you just got it, and it's consistent, I'm like, you you can't be you can't beat that. And of course, the depreciation, right? A lot of people don't understand that in many aspects of investing, anywhere else, you have to pay taxes. In multiple cases, in many cases, speak with your CPA, though I'm not a CPA uh for sure, but speak with your CPA K1 form, which is which is from the depreciation of the asset, offsets the gains. So you will pay maybe very little or sometimes no tax on those gains. So that's the best thing about real estate. Win-win. Yep, exactly. You get a little bit of that with business ownership, but not nearly as much. Like real estate is by far in a way the best with that. Uh, what do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? You know, I... I wish I started like 20 years earlier. Oh boy, we would be having this conversation. I would be like in Maui or something <laughs> like that. Uh, you know what? It's it, it's it's going for it. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of people are afraid because they don't know. I wish I would have read more books or um, went into it sooner. Uh, a lot of people don't know because nobody told them. Like even my friends, they're like, is this for real? How come I don't know about it? I'm like, before it was not accessible 
for to an average person. Only wealthy person could could invest. Due to rules and regulation changes now, an average person, if you have fifty thousand dollars in your four hundred one k or just cash or savings account, that is what growing at four percent, you can grow. You can get potentially twenty. I mean, look at the potential here, and it's compounding. And uh, so it it. I wish I would have read or somebody would have told me about it sooner. But uh, you know, it's 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 a tough question. But yeah. I wish I would have started sooner. Well, speaking of books, what's the book that you can recommend to other investors? One of the greatest books is uh, Hands-Off Investor. Uh, it really, in simplest terms, Hands-Off Investor explains on how syndication and investing in real estate works and just kind of breaks everything down. It, it's an easy read. Um, and another book I really, really like is I'm focusing on goal, on goals. So I'm reading this book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. It's uh, basically really changed my mind on what should I be focused on to get the most amount of profits, I should say, or, or value. Because if you spread too thin, you're all over the place. You're not excellent. You're just okay. I don't want to be okay. I want to be excellent. So I'm focused on one thing. That's going to take me to the next level. That's going to get me to retire earlier. That's going to get me to enjoy my time with my kids and with my wife sooner. So that's the that's the book that really kind of opened up my mind more, the one thing. But Hands Off Investor, awesome book. Check it out. Check them out. Yeah, both great books. How can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on? Sure, yeah. I Listen. Vlad Arakchev. It doesn't get any more unique than that. I'm all over social media, LinkedIn, Facebook. You can go on zanticventures.com. That's my website. Uh, sign up. I'll, I send a newsletter, but you can opt out of the newsletter if you want, uh, if you don't want to. When my newsletter is like super light, incredibly positive light. I have two pictures and the media section on the bottom. Something cool that I've read, something cool that I've heard. You can click and check it out. It's really easy. But please reach out to me on LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm, I'm everywhere. Plus, don't forget, I'm a real estate agent here in New Jersey. If you just Google Vlad Arakchev, all my information pops out. I mean, there's no hiding. I'm part of the Realtor Association. So, Awesome. I'll include the links on the show notes here. And is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't already covered? Yeah, listen, even if you don't want to invest now, uh, you don't really have to. Check it out. Read about it. Speak with someone. Even if you're not ready, it's perfectly okay. But just educate yourself. You never know. You might, you might find an opportunity that's for you, right? Not apartments. You don't want to do apartments. Don't do apartments. You can try RV parks, you can do storage, you can do anything you want. There's so many opportunities and possibilities. Diversify, that's what it's all about. Don't just don't just put everything in stock market or something like that, because you see how that thing jumps. It, 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 it's crazy, the, the volatile, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Real estate, you see, it's consistent, constant growth, plus it's basic human need, right? What do people need? Food, clothing, apartments. There you go. So it's the safest opportunity out there. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Vlad. It's been great having you on the show. 
Oh, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yep. Have a great rest of your day. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.